stretch a little bit, don't go anywhere. Stand up, stretch a little bit, don't go anywhere. Stand up, stretch a little bit, but don't go anywhere. <clears throat> All right. Last year, I got to uh, carpool with Peter and Donna, and I learned some really interesting things about them. It was super fun, and uh, really, you guys don't want to miss that. And uh, yeah, it was it was a great time. It's a family thing. It's a family thing. Wow, I may not be carpooling with anybody but my family. What's that? Kids should not, and if you, yeah, or to drive, right, Zoe will not be driving, and if you are a host home, turn your keys over to a friend and let them drive, all right, all right, well, get out your Bibles, we're going to jump in this morning, uh, turn if you would to John chapter 1, and uh, we're going to, we're going to talk a little bit about Christmas, but I want to save most of that for our Christmas Eve service. Uh, it could be fun. It could be exciting. <laughs> Hopefully it'll be fun and exciting, but not too exciting. Uh, we, don't want to, we don't want to have the fire department here, but I got really big candles. Really nice at the dollar store. Woo! Yeah, they got a lot of my money this week, but um, it's, uh, it, it's going to be fun. It'll be, it'll be fun. So uh, let me pray, and then we're going to jump in here. Jesus, we thank you that you are with us. You are Emmanuel, God with us. And, and Lord, you're here right now, today. And Lord, you're not done. You started doing some cool things, but we pray that you would be our teacher and our guide this morning. God, that you would challenge us, that you would change us, that you would make us like Jesus. So help me, God, to, to speak your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you have seen the new Star Wars movie? Oh, okay, spoiler alert, here we go. No, I'm kidding. I won't do that to you. I won't do that to you. Uh, that would just be horrible, wouldn't it? Especially for Matt over here, who's like got Star Wars shoes and shows up with a lightsaber to the movie. and It's amazing. But uh, I, I want to talk about, I did get to see it. And uh, man, I think this was probably the most anticipated, you know, movie of, you know, ever of the, I don't know what it grossed on the first opening day, but I think it, how much? Whoa, whoa, 200 million. Do I hear three? Three. Is there three out there? Anybody? Three. 300. 300 in the back. Okay. 200 million dollars. Wow. That's about my salary for a year. That's amazing. In one night, that's, that's just ridiculous. But uh, $200 million, and I, I'm sitting there, you know, because we had to show up early, and uh, Christian was like, Dad, please, we got to go opening night. I had three free tickets, and so he beat the crowds down to go, and, and he found us 3D tickets. So we got to sit there with glasses and watch the movie. I don't know if it was really worthy of 3D, but we were there. What? I know. Oh, hey, don't stone me. Okay. But uh, it, it, was, it was great. But I'm sitting there and I'm watching this movie and, 
And, you know, I couldn't, I can't let the, the preacher side of me go. And so I'm, I'm watching, I'm like, man, there are millions of people that cannot wait to see this movie. And, I mean, I've been to, you know, Iran and Turkey and Afghanistan and Uzbek, crazy places. And they're all into Star Wars. I mean, it's everywhere. Star Wars is everywhere. They all know what the force is. And so I'm sitting there, I'm like, man, what about the gospel? If only the gospel was that anticipated and people were that excited about Jesus, that would be phenomenal, wouldn't it? That would be phenomenal. Turn in your Bibles, John chapter 1, and we're going we're gonna to read a verse. We've been talking about giving and receiving uh, the last few weeks. And uh, last week, Andy and Carrie, didn't they just do an awesome job? Tag team preaching. That was, that was fun. That was super fun. And uh, so this week, we're going to talk about the grace to receive. And uh, I'm going to talk this morning. Pastor Kyle is going to, uh, he's got a powerful word for tonight. Look at him. He's studying right now. But, um, you know, we as, as Christians, salvation is all about receiving, isn't it? Receiving something that we can't earn, that we, we can't do on our own. We just got to receive. And I don't know about you, but... I'm not necessarily a great receiver. I'm learning, you know, uh, I'm learning. How many of you like it when, uh, you know, somebody that maybe you think is, how can I say it? How, how many of you are really good at receiving help? Okay. Just somebody says, hey, let me help you. Jason's shaking his head. No, no. I remember, uh, I remember my daughter, Alexandra, who's home. Yes. So fun. Yes, she's, she's back. It's so fun. But uh, she's sleeping in the loft. We had to make a, make a bedroom for her. Her brother, her younger brother, took her room and won't give it back. I know, right? But so she's sleeping in the loft. But I remember when, uh, when she was younger, she's probably not like this now, but uh, she, would, she had this saying. And she'd be doing something, and, and she'd kind of be, you know, it wasn't going well. And, and I'd try to get into the helper, and she'd like, I got this. I got this. I'm like, just let me help you. Dad, I got this. I don't know where she gets that from. I'm thinking her mom maybe. I don't know. But that is so like me. I am not a great receiver. And so there's, there's got to be a part of us that changes. I remember Shanda and I, we just had our 22nd wedding anniversary. And so I know she's had to put up with me for 22 years. It's amazing. But uh so we had our 22nd wedding anniversary, and I remember, I remember, actually remember when we got married. And we got married on December 11th, and so we went away on our honeymoon. We got back just in time for Christmas, and it was an interesting Christmas. And so um, I, you know, I, I like to kind of ask what people want, and so she kind of told me what she wanted. And so I looked, and I searched, and, and I found this great gift for her, and I was so excited. I spent a lot of money on it. A lot of money on a lot of money on it, and uh, I was so excited to give it to her. And uh, so Christmas comes, and it was it was our first Christmas being married, and we spent it at my mother-in-law's house, which was interesting, and I'll tell you why in a minute. It was great. We had the we had the you know the wood stove back there. It was awesome, and so we're just learning this married thing. And and uh, anyway. I won't get too much into that. But we started giving out gifts. 
And my mother-in-law, every Christmas, she makes something for everybody. And so I think now it's pretty much you make these footy jammies, right? Which is a big change. And that's good. I'm going to tell you why. Because our first Christmas, she was very excited about what she made me. And now, mind you, I'm just married. I don't even know this lady hardly, okay? And so she's so excited about this gift that she has for me. And so I'm like, cool, I now have a mother-in-law, and she's buying me Christmas gifts. This is awesome. And so I start to open the package, and she's, she let me know that she made it for me. I'm like, wow, okay. So I open it up, and I pull it out. It's bright, shimmery, green Christmas underwear. <laughs> My mother-in-law made me underwear. I did not know how to receive that gift. I'm like, wow. These are just the right size. I mean, what do you do? So now I have these homemade underwear. Who does that? I have two pairs. I had a bright red pair and a bright green pair. I've never worn bikini underwear before. What was I to do? No, I'm kidding. They were boxers. I'm like, wow, this is great. Hmm. I'm excited about this. So then, uh, then, my, then my wife, you know, my new wife, I was really excited. I went out and bought her this big full-length wool coat, beautiful, hot, warm, nice coat, and spent a lot of money on it. And so I give it to her, and I'm so excited to give it to her. And so she opens it up. She's like, wow, nice. And I'm like, I expected a little bit more. This is amazing. I'm like, do you know how much I spent? You know, anyway. And so she can't wait to give me her gift. And I'm excited. This is going to be great. I got a pair of underwear now, two pairs of underwear. I can't wait for this next gift. And so she is like super stoked about it. And so she hands me the box and I open it up and I pull it out and it's a wool hat. It's like an Eddie Bauer kind of Indiana Jones kind of a hat. I don't even wear hats. I mean, I don't even wear baseball hats that much. And so she gives me this hat and she's all big eyed and she's like, oh, isn't it awesome? I, what, what am I going to do with this? She's like, wear it. I don't wear hats. So it was a weird Christmas. So I put my underwear on over my pants, put my hat on. I'm like, ho, ho, ho. You know? I think she wore the coat maybe three or four times. We ended up giving it to Goodwill or something. And I still have that hat. And I wear it all the time. And I've worn it for years. It, it, you know, when I was framing, it was great because it kept my head warm, kept the rain off me, and it was a great gift. But I didn't really appreciate it at the time. And I think, you know, I think that we as people sometimes we're like that with God. We don't really appreciate the gift that he's given us, the gift of each other, even the gift of Jesus, the gift of salvation. I don't think we appreciate it until... We're further down the road and we realize, wow, the grace of God is absolutely, ridiculously, amazingly incredible. And so uh, this morning, I want to read us a couple of verses 
in John 1, John is talking about, um, he's talking about the coming of Jesus and how things were a little bit different maybe than people expected. But in John 1, I'm going to start in verse 10. It says, but although the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him when he came. Now, if God was going to visit this planet, you would think it would look more like, you know, this new Independence Day movie that's coming out, right? It's like, and that same music that they play on all those, you know, disaster movies. You know, God's coming to earth and he's going to do business. But although the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him when he came. And even though his own land and among his own people, he was not accepted. The best give, gift that God had to give mankind was not accepted, John says. I don't know, man. I, I wasn't really expecting a pair of underwear for Christmas. I was wanting something a little bit different than a hat. And God, forgive me, I'm not trying to equate Jesus with, you know, a wool hat. But, but yet at the same time, you understand. Have you ever wanted to just bless somebody and you just went crazy out of your way to either make something for them or do something for them or, you know, give them something that meant a lot to you and you gave it to them and it was like, eh, you know, have you ever, it hurts, doesn't it? It hurts. I remember when I watched the movie, um, what was that Mel Gibson movie where Jesus is, they crucified Jesus, The Passion. I, I was watching The Passion and there's that part I think it's in the very beginning where, uh, it might be at the very end, but it's where you see, you see what's going on in the garden, and it may, it, I think maybe it was at the cross, you see what's going on, and then it zooms way out, okay? And it's got the fisheye lens, and it zooms way out, and then it starts zooming in again, and it's a drop. It's a teardrop. And I mean, that, that I just, I, I thought about that and I thought about that. And when you understand what Jesus, not just his death on the cross, but what Jesus gave up for us, do you realize that God is spirit? Okay, God is spirit. That means he doesn't have a body. He's not, he's not stuck in a, in a human body like we are. He's way far above and beyond that. Do you realize that now Jesus is still in a body? God incarnate, Jesus wrapped in skin. Jesus is forever made like us with a body. Now, it's not corruptible like ours. It's not going to get tired and weary and weak and decay. And It's incorruptible, but Jesus now forever is in a body because he loved us enough. He gave up that whole God is spirit thing, was clothed in a body, and now forever remains in a human body. The Bible teaches that. Talks about, Timothy talks about how Paul telling Timothy, he says, the man, Christ Jesus, ever lives to make intercession for us. He was tempted in every way like we are yet without sin. Do you realize what Jesus sacrificed and gave up for us? And yet sometimes we just go, ah, ah, I'll get there when I can. It's like a gift that we give, that we have put everything we have into it and it's not received how much does it affect the heart of God? That's, that really hit me when I saw that tear from heaven falling. And the wrath of God, the Bible says, read John, the end of chapter 1, the end of chapter 3. Those 
who don't obey the truth, who reject the truth. There's an anger and a wrath stored up against all those who walk in ungodliness. Why is that? It's because God gave everything that he had to us. And we either accept it and live in it or we reject it and push it away. And it breaks the heart of God. But Jesus, listen to John chapter 1 as John tells about this. But to all who received him and accepted him, he gave them the right to become the children of God. They are reborn. This is not a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan. This rebirth comes from God. So the word became human and it lived here on earth among among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth, the new King James says. I love the fact that Jesus loves us enough, not just to die for our sins and rise and then go back to heaven as normal, but he forever is encased in a body because he wants to be near you. He wants to be relatable to you. He wants to be touchable by you. What was the first thing he said to those who couldn't believe? Thomas, touch me. Feel me. See, I have skin and bones just like you. I'm like you. That's amazing that our God is like that. The Apostle Paul says this, when our God and Savior revealed his kindness and love to us, he saved us not because of the good things that we have done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins and he gave us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. See, we've got to humbly receive the gift that God has for us. Why is it that in the history of mankind, we have such a difficult time receiving from God. Why is it? And I I think there's three things. One, we don't understand the nature of God. Sometimes we think God is big and scary and all he does is throw lightning bolts at people. He's looking for any excuse he can to knock you down. We don't understand this great and loving God. And so we distance ourselves from him and it's hard for us to receive from him. Okay, we don't understand the nature of God. Adam and Eve in the garden, even though Okay, even though God had given them everything and he blessed them. We talked about that a couple months ago. That he placed them in this garden called Eden, which means delight. It means pleasure. Okay, he placed them and says, enjoy it all. One thing, don't touch that tree. What did they think? Instantly, they thought God is holding out on us. It was the lie of the devil that came in to deceive them and trick them. But that God is holding, God is, is withholding something very special from us. God doesn't really care about us. So we got to go get it ourselves. That's what they thought. God was holding out on them. They didn't understand the nature of their loving God. Okay? I had this, uh, I had this horse when I was uh, in, my, in my early 20s. I had this horse and, and he had been beaten. He had been abused as, as, a, you know, as a young colt. And uh, so when we got him... He was super flighty. Anybody know horses, spent time with horses? You get a horse like Andy back there, yes. That's beautiful. But uh, so I had this horse and, and it was kind of, you know, I don't know how, you know, I kind of liked this horse. He was ugly. He was 
Not, not that, you know, he was part Appaloosa and, you know, he just, he was a knothead, okay? This horse was a knothead. You'd ride him and when he would let you get on him, you'd ride and you'd be riding through the trees and he'd get as close to the trees as he could to try to break your kneecaps, all right? Anybody ride, ridden a horse like that? And so you're, you got to ride with both hands out, you know, kind of pushing trees away from you and come on, Ace. But it took me a couple years to get this horse to trust me. He didn't understand that I wasn't going to beat him. I wasn't going to kick him. I wasn't going to cuss at him. I wasn't going to do those things. I remember a friend of mine had this big old draft horse named Dan. This horse was, he was a, an amazing animal. But he would get, the guy that, my friend that owned him, he would get so mad. Because this horse hauled logs for him, firewood, brought in him. And this horse did everything for these guys. They lived way up in this mountain up in Alaska. And, but he'd get so mad, he'd start cussing. He'd grab Dan and he'd punch him in the nose to get him to do what he wanted. Dan didn't even feel it. He was just a big old dress. Like, and he'd keep on going. I wasn't going to do that with Ace. It took me years to get Ace to trust that I wasn't going to hurt him, that I wasn't going to smack him around and beat him with a stick. I wasn't going to do those things to him. That's just a horse. We're kind of like that. We're so used to people taking advantage of us. We're so used to being abused and mistreated and mistrusted and that it's hard for us to trust God. It is. And so, because we have a hard time trusting the nature of God, we have a hard time receiving from God. But another reason that we have a hard time receiving from God is because we also refuse to acknowledge, okay, the reality of our own human condition. Sometimes, you know, we think that we're a lot better than we really are. How do I know that we think? Just talk to me. You'll hear all kinds of stories about how awesome I am. And the same from you. We think that we're a lot better than we actually are. We don't admit our brokenness very easily. We don't admit our failure. I'm okay. No, no, I'm fine. I'm okay. Yeah, but you really, you know, my wife would say, you, you were a little bit harsh on the kids. Ah, they're fine. Really, I'm okay. I wasn't that angry. Really. We don't, we don't like to see the ugly part of us. And because of that, when God comes to us, we have a hard time receiving from him. How about, I, I'm trying to think of an illustration. I brought something. How many of you love needles? Well, don't, don't, don't answer that. Don't answer that. That could go weird. Okay, how many of you are deathly afraid of needles? All right, we got some hands back there. Kyle, since Kyle's not, we're going we're gonna, to uh, do an IV. I want to practice. I was an EMT years ago, and so I want to practice my, I'm kidding. Actually, Kyle and I were in a conversation the other day, and he's, he's uh, getting ready to go to nursing school, and he's like, man, the one thing that I'm scared of, Kyle, this big, big Kyle right here, 6'5", you know, 185 pounds, Kyle, he says, he says man, we got to do the IV section of our training, and we got to get poked with needles. He says, I don't know if I can do it, okay? You can do it. You can do it. He's, look at how excited he is. Now, if I just ran up to you, Kyle, and I said, man, I'm going to give you this medicine right now. Got a big old hair. It's really, it's just plastic. It's okay. Okay. Although the, you ha all of you back there that have a past, you're freaking out right now. that We got hypodermics in church. It's plastic. It was for my wisdom teeth. Cleaning them out. But if I ran up to you with this needle and said, Kyle, I'm going to inject you with this stuff. You need it. You're going to go, whoa, 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 time out. Get away. Touch it. It's not going to bite you. Thank you. Okay, you're, you're not going to receive it, right? 
What are you doing? Get that needle away from me. Sometimes that's how we are with the gospel. People say, you need to get saved. From what? Am I drowning? What, what's going on? You need to repent. From what? I'm okay. Right? Isn't that how we are as people? And so somebody comes up to you and they're getting ready to jam you with a big old hypodermic needle and you're freaking out going, whoa, time out. Time out. I need a little more information here. Right? We don't understand the reality of our condition. Now, if I came up to Kyle and said, Kyle, listen, man, I, there's, there's, you know, there's five signs that you've got this disease that's fatal. All right? That itching behind your neck right now, that's one of them. Okay? That rosy, flushed cheek look that you've got right now, whew, that's another one. Man, that, that agitated foot thing, that's the third side. Boy, that's a killer right there. And there's, there's two more, but I can't say them in church, Okay? You've got five signs that say you've got this disease, and this is the only cure. Stupid analogy, I know. But do you think Kyle would want it then, if he really understood his condition? I think, uh, Donna, you were saying that there's this thing going around in Hawaii right now, okay? These mosquitoes, right? And it's, what's it called? Ugh. I can't even say that, but it sounds bad. And is it, is it fatal? You said it was fatal? You don't survive the second. Okay. Not nice. How many of you are ready to go to Hawaii right now? And apparently, they don't mind the locals. It's just the howlies they want to bite, right? <laughs> apparently. <laughs> but we hear these things. We hear of, of these diseases or whatever it might be, and we want to protect ourselves, right? But when you understand the reality of your condition, you're ready to get the help that you need. But we don't, we're, not, we're not like that. Or... Here's the, here's the one that gets me, is we fear the cost of receiving, okay? Now, in my family, uh, my wife especially, my wife and my son Levi are like, they are back rub hogs. And, you know, how many of you like back rubs? Okay, the rest of you are probably lying right now. How many of you like to give back rubs? Not as many hands. Oh, yeah, lying in church, right there. So... So my wife, okay, Levi will just sit there for hours and have you rub his back, but he will never rub yours, ever. It just, I don't do that. I'm a receiver, okay? But now, now my wife, here's what she does. She goes, honey, you want a back rub? And I always say no. It's not that I don't like back rubs, because I do. It's that I know that it, what it's going to cost me, okay? She's like this. Actually, she does really hard. She starts doing with her elbows, punching on your back. I'm like, ooh. Okay, she's a very, she gives a really good back rub. But it lasts for about three minutes. And then she wants a 45-minute back rub. It's like eternal back rubs. She's like, oh, come on, don't stop right there. Oh, that, that a little bit, that a little bit. It's like, oh. So I just say, no, I don't want it. I don't want a back rub because I know what it's going to cost me later. Right? I mean, I don't want to go there. But see, we're that way with God, is that we don't want to receive what he has to give us because we're afraid what it's going to, of what it's going to cost us. Here's the truth about the gospel, okay? The gospel is free. It is. Jesus died for you. He paid the price for your sins. But it will cost you everything. How, that's an oxymoron. No. Jesus there's nothing that you and I can do to earn salvation, to make heaven our home. We can't. God had to give it to us. He had to adopt us of his own free will, not ours. But see, here's the thing. He says, but it's going to cost you everything. 
You got to leave everything behind and come and follow me. If you truly want to receive this salvation. So what we do is we're, we, we're usually only half in. Okay? We're only half in. Because we don't want to forsake everything to follow. But we definitely want the gift. So we're like this. We're not quite ready to commit. Guess what? You're nowhere. You're in no man's land. You're fooling yourself. And I got a verse for us on that. First Timothy says this, 1.5, he says, this is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am the worst of all. Paul realized his condition. Jesus, turn in your Bibles to, uh, to Revelation chapter 3. You should always preach out of Revelation because it scares people. Revelation chapter 3, it's actually... The beauty of this book is that it reveals the, the majesty of Jesus, the glory and the power of Jesus and how he works in his church. So it's the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 3. I'll read a couple verses to us here. He says in verse 14, I'm going to start there, 314, he's, he's talking to a church, the church of Laodicea. He says, write this letter to the angel of the church of Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the great I am the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know the things that you do, that you are neither hot or cold. You're not quite in and you're not quite out, okay? He says, but, he says, you're, you're like lukewarm water. I'm gonna spit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich. I have need of nothing. I have everything I want. You don't need to receive from God. Whoa. And you, but you don't realize, he says, you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fires, then you will be rich. So you, if you are not ready to receive from God, then you have no place with God. Jesus said that in John chapter 6. We'll save that for another time. He said, I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich and also buy white garments so that you will not be ashamed of your nakedness and buy ointment for your eyes so that you can truly be able to see I am the one who corrects and disciplines everyone I love. Man, if you're going to be all in, guess what? You open yourself to the discipline of Jesus in your life. Well, God, I want all the benefits, but I don't want to have to go through any of the troubles and trials. I really don't want the discipline. I don't really want the commitment. I don't really want the sacrifice. You, you can't have it. You can't have it that way. Be diligent and turn from your indifference. Look, I'm standing here at the door and I'm knocking. If anyone hears me calling and opens the door, I'm going to come in and we're going to share a meal together as friends. Jesus is waiting for us to respond to him. To accept his gift, his invitation, his offering of himself. So why don't we receive? One, we're too blind to see our need. We're too blind to see our need. I'm rich. I don't need anything, he says in Revelation. But really, you're poor, miserable, blind, naked. Or maybe it's not too blind. Maybe I do see it, but maybe I'm too proud to admit it. That's the one that gets me. Here's, you know, this story... I remember, um, I don't remember, I think I was six or seven, and my mom was, um, I had a stepdad, and, and uh, he was a very proud man, and we weren't doing that great financially, and, you know, but 
whatever. That's irrelevant, really. But I remember my grandparents, they didn't really approve of this relationship that my mom had. They actually weren't married at the time. And they didn't approve of this relationship. They're like, you got to marry this guy or don't. Get out of it, okay? And, and so they were, they were vocal about it. And so my mom and my stepdad, they did get married a little bit later. But they just are like, you can't tell us what to do. You can't tell us what to do. And so I remember one Christmas, this happened for a couple of years. My grandparents would buy Christmas presents for all of us. Because my parents were really kind of poor. We didn't really have Christmas presents, you know. But, uh, and so they would buy these Christmas presents. And they would bring them over to the house and drop them off when my stepdad was gone. He, he would, when he got home, he took them and he drove them back to their house and he wouldn't accept them. This happened for like two or three years. And uh, I remember just like, why, why can't we have those presents that grandma and grandpa got us? Well, because my dad was too proud. Too proud to receive them. You ever been too proud to receive help from someone? See, here, the, the thing is, is sometimes we're too proud to receive from God. It's like, I can figure this out on my own. I can do it. I got this. And the Lord say, no, you don't. No, you don't. Yes, this is how it should be done, Jesus. I mean, if I were running your kingdom, it would look different. People wouldn't be all crazy in church. They would sit there quietly, hands folded neatly in their laps, and never say, well, you're not running the kingdom, John. Okay, Jesus, and you're not like that. But, you're not running the kingdom. Jesus is. And he does it his way. And we got to accept that. We got to accept how God works in other people's lives. Paul says, who are you to judge another man's servant? And so we sit in this seat of judgment, judging other people how they serve God or how they don't serve God or how they do weird things in church. You know, we got, a, we got a gal who I love, Elle, man. She loves to worship and she's very demonstrative and I love that. My wife loves to dance. That's why I am so flexible like this. I don't love to dance. But she loves to dance. And so when she was going through a difficult time in her life, before she met me, of course, when she was going through this hard time in her life and God was breaking everything open, she would go to church and she'd just feel like she needed to dance before the Lord. She felt condemnation and eyes of people on her. So she would go to the back of the church and she would just dance in the back of the church and cry and cry and cry. And God did a healing work in her life through that. But see, we judge other people and how they worship or don't worship. And we expect them to do what we do or think like we think. But that's not our job. We need to allow God to do that. We're sometimes so proud that we don't let God talk to us because we think we know how it should be done. I remember Peter, you've read the story in John 13. Jesus, after dinner, he, he takes his robe off, he puts a towel around his waist and he gets down and he starts to wash the disciples' feet. And he gets next to Peter, he gets up to Peter and Peter says, no way. No way, Jesus, you are not touching these feet. Right? That's what he said. Yeah, I mean, we read it in the King James. It sounds a lot better than that. But he says, no way, you're not touching my feet. This is awkward. This is weird. This is really kind of strange. Okay? How many of you would like it if I just walked up to you right now and I had a nice basin of hot water and I just, you know, a little bar of soap and I started to scrub your feet right here, right now in church? 
How many of you go, that's awesome. Janelle's like, bring it on, you know. My wife can spread her toes, you know. That's what she would do. That's kind of weird, spreading your toes like that. <laughs> Sorry, hon. It's a little thing. But uh, Jesus goes up to Peter, and he starts to wash his feet. And he says, don't do that. Don't go there, God. Anybody like that? No, 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 no. You know, this is okay, all right? We can deal with this, God, but we don't go here. No, 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 we don't, we don't go there. We, we don't do that. And Jesus says to Peter, look, Peter, if you don't let me wash your feet, you don't have any part of me. You, you, you have no part in this kingdom unless you let me serve you, unless you receive what I have to give you. But see, we push Jesus away all the time. We say, no, 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 Jesus, no. No, we're not going to go there. We're not going to deal with that. I'm not gonna, we're not going to deal with that. That's kind of my thing, and I'll work on it in my time. Kind of rolls into the next thing. The reason we don't receive from God is because we're too afraid. We're too afraid to accept his help, or we don't have the faith. And so we think that fear gives us, it's, it's like the trump card. Well, I'm just afraid. God understands my fear. Sorry. The Bible says whatever's not of faith is sin. If you walk in fear, you're walking in sin. Come on, pastor. You need to have a heart. Well, it's just true. And so if you let your fear keep you from where God is trying to take you, your growth is stunted. You're stuck and you're resisting grace. It's true. It's Bible. It's Bible. You, I, I remember this story. <laughs> this guy, he falls over this cliff and uh, he kind of sliding down the cliff and he grabs a hold of this branch and he's crying out to God, God, help. God, help. Jesus, where are you? And he hears this voice. And it says, let go of the branch. Jesus, I rebuke you, Satan. Jesus, let go of the branch. He's like, uh, is there anyone else up there that can help me? See, and that's sometimes how we are. We don't like the prescription that God gives. Forgive, let it go, move on, grow up, serve, give, pray, fast. Uh, we don't like God's prescription. Uh, is there any other ideas? Maybe I can get another podcast. Maybe there's another preacher who can tell me I can do it different. That's kind of how we live as Christians today. Sorry, it doesn't work that way. Well, I'm afraid. I'm afraid to move forward. I, I remember in my life, we're going to end here in just a second, is I love to scuba dive. Now, the reason I, I love to scuba dive is because I'm not a great swimmer. Daniel and I were talking about swimming. He actually did a, a, um, a triathlon. He had to swim like a mile and a quarter or some crazy thing. A mile and a quarter. If I swim across the pool, it's like a marathon for me. But I'm not a great swimmer. And so, I mean, I try really hard. I have no, I, I breathe like this. <laughs> my head, it's just, it's, it's crazy. My wife looks and she laughs. She's like, oh my gosh, you're going to drown. But I, I'm good. I am a great swimmer for like 50 yards and that's it. And so I decided that I could become a scuba diver because you can actually just crawl on the bottom and breathe. It's awesome. You can't swim. You just crawl on the bottom. And so, you know, you can kick. And so I spent hours, I spent hundreds of hours Blowing bubbles underwater. It was great. 
and I was a scuba diver, and I went through all the, all the, the classes and all the training. You know, I was a rescue diver, night diver, underwater hunter. I mean, all the stuff. There was one more level that I could get, and it was to become a dive master. And then I could teach scuba diving to other people. And so that was the last level that I had to go, and I pulled out. And my instructor's like, Phil, what are you doing? I said, well, you know, I don't really want to go any further. I did. I did. I wanted to, I would be living on a dive boat, teaching people how to dive in the Mediterranean. That would be awesome, right? I did, but I was afraid, okay? And I said, well, you know what? I, I got to focus on some other things, and I, this is as far as I want to go. And I had all these excuses why I didn't go to that last level. And I, I'm not trying to brag, but I was really the best diver in our class. I mean, I could go, I could blow through tanks, I could swim forever. It was awesome, and I loved it. I had no fear. Take off my mask, everything underwater, put it back. It was just, I loved it. I loved scuba diving. But I, here's what I heard. I heard that you had to tread water for three minutes with your hands in the air, and I knew I couldn't do it. And then you had to swim like a mile. And I'm like, I'm out, I'm done, I can't do it. I'm not even going to try. And so I pulled out. And I, I didn't go any further because of my fear. And later on, after the class, and some of the guys that I'd been in class with for a year, they got their dive master. One of my buddies was, man, I was working on a dive boat in the Red Sea. It was awesome. And I'm like, oh, yeah, good for you. you know, I'm building houses in the rain. But, <clears throat> but later, I, I talked to our instructor, and... and uh, she said, come on, tell me really why you didn't take it. I said, honestly, because I can't, I can't tread water for three minutes with my hands in the air. Can't do it. She says, Phil, we would have worked it out. We'd have got you through it. But see, we pull out of things that we really desire because we're afraid. We're afraid that God won't help us. We're afraid that it's going to be all in our own strength. And Jesus is there the whole time going, I will help you through. But we pull out because of fear. I'm not going any far, this far and no more. And so we don't receive from God because we're too afraid. Our faith is too small. I love, I love what Romans 5, 6 says. It says, when we were utterly helpless, when we were at the end of our strength, when we couldn't do anymore, Jesus comes it says, Jesus came at just the right time and he died for us sinners. God's grace is available to take you where you need to go. We don't receive from God ultimately because we won't believe. If you won't believe, you won't receive what God has for us. So what do we do? One, we got to humble ourselves. Say, Jesus, you're a lot bigger, smarter, better than I am. James 1 says, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives Humbly accept the word that God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. So we've got to receive humbly and graciously what Jesus has provided for us, too. We've got to trust that Jesus wants more for you, for me, for us, than we currently experience. God knows what he has for you. He knows the plans he has for you, Jeremiah 29, 11. Not only does he know, but he's committed to getting you to the finish line. Don't pull out. Don't quit before you finish. Third, we need to, we need to be committed to learning and growing. 
you got to be committed to learning. you got to be committed to growing. It doesn't just happen. You've got to become a disciple. If you're not satisfied with where you are, the first step to get somewhere else is to decide that you aren't going to stay where you are. you got to be so sick and tired of where you are that you're going to do things different. You're going to do something different in your life. And then... You guys have heard this saying, if you want something that you've never had, you've got to do something that you've never done. Well, I would love to have God use me. But there ain't no way I'm going out on the streets to preach the gospel. I'm not going to do that prayer walk thing with Scott. No, that's, that's way beyond. Okay, then enjoy your life as you now live it. Well, I, you know, I really want to see, I just, I really feel like God wants to use me prophetically. But that whole baptism of the Holy Spirit thing, no way, not going to go there. I heard that that was of the devil. So you got to be committed to learning and growing, getting in the word, talking to people, asking questions, getting answers, reading books. Make sure they're the right books, okay? You got to be committed to growing. Your maturity is completely on your shoulders, completely, okay? And then lastly, this is, this is the one that we've been hammering all year. You got to say yes to Jesus, got to say yes. Because you say so, Lord, I will. Right? Because you say so. You got to be committed whatever Jesus asks you to do, that you're going to do it. Will you stand with me as we pray? Maybe this morning you don't know God. You don't know Jesus. Maybe you, you know, you've prayed a prayer. Doesn't really matter. Don't care. You're not living as a disciple. You need to move forward in your life. You need to surrender some things. You need to give up some things. And you need to surrender to Jesus. Then I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you that God would break off some things and help you to live a life that glorifies Him. Okay? Maybe you're just kind of stuck in your Christian life. You're not growing. You're not, you're, you're not walking in joy. You're not walking in strength. You're just kind of... Uh, Okay? Jesus wants to move you forward, but you got to be committed okay, to growing, to stepping out in faith, to obeying Jesus, to being humble, and to trust that God has more for you than what you currently experience. Let me pray for you this morning. Jesus, I pray for us as a church. God, as we think about Christmas and we think about receiving, we think about your great gift, not just to save us, but God, to transform us, to bring us into relationship with you, to, to, to bring us into an experience. We get to experience the kingdom of God. Lord, to transform the way that we think, the way that we act, who we are. You want to make us into new people, not just the best versions of ourselves. God, I pray today that you would release faith in this church. God, that you would do a deep work in us. Make us hungry for Jesus. Lord, you said that those that hunger and thirst for righteousness would be filled. God, I pray that you would put a holy hunger in us that is not satisfied with status quo. God, make us hungry to know you. Make us hungry for truth. Make us hungry for righteousness. Lord, and then make us people that just shine the light the goodness and the favor of Jesus. God, help us today, tomorrow, and for the rest of our lives to love Jesus out loud. God, and to love people on purpose. We thank you for your grace that enables us to do this. In Jesus' name, amen.